Welcome to the Mala Movement Podcast. Each episode we share our experience and research on all things natural living, holistic health and mindful being. We are so grateful that you're hanging out with us. Let's dive on in. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode. This is episode number 14 and it is just myself today, Laura. So just a little solo episode because a few people were asking me about hay fever and I'm literally on the last day of spring, which seems, it might seem a bit pointless, but there's a few reasons why I still felt it was important to share this because one, a lot of people were asking about how to tackle hay fever and manage symptoms more naturally, but also because some people seem to suffer all year round or it comes back throughout the year. So I'm going to speak to that, but um, <laughs> I do know that it is the last day of spring today. I'm a little bit late and I know a lot of people aren't going to miss those sneezing fits, that stuffy head, all of the rashes, leaky eyes, drippy nose. I know it's not a fun time. I myself don't actually suffer with hay fever. I got it once, like in one period of my life. It was when I was about 18 or 19. And this was actually when I was taking a lot of antibiotics. I had extremely bad digestion and I had an overwhelming amount of stress going on in my life. So all of this was added up and contributing to my symptoms but my symptoms were basically itchy face I got hives on my neck and my chest and I would sometimes have those sneezing fits so this was when I was a hairdresser as well so it was just in that period of my life it was quite a short period but I remember it was in spring and it was just for that sort of season and it was mainly just it constantly felt like something was tickling my face like hair was on my face but it wasn't <laughs> so uh, I understand how frustrating it is I know some people get it a lot worse than that but I have had that little taste and it is not a fun time. But also, as I said, some people do suffer all year round what it seems. So there are actually two types of hay fever or allergies. So there's seasonal allergies and then there's perennial allergies. The seasonal allergies, as you probably assumed, it's related to the spring season, but also autumn as well, as this is when the pollen of certain plants and grasses and also certain weeds are known to trigger hay fever symptoms. So the springtime is more related to the trees and the grasses, while the autumn is more of the ragweed pollination. So if you happen to suffer a lot during autumn, your body might be struggling with a ragweed allergy. And for the people who are struggling with this, can also experience an allergic response or reaction to certain foods like cucumbers, melons, zucchinis, sunflower seeds, banana, and chamomile tea. So that's seasonal allergies in relation to springtime and autumn time. So if you're feeling that you're actually struggling through autumn as well, then you might be having a sensitivity to the ragweed as well. And then there's the perennial allergies and these last all year long. And these are generally caused by indoor triggers. So things like dust mites, uh, like pet hair, cockroaches, or even mold. And some people might actually be dealing with both perennial and seasonal allergies. And in this case, you might actually notice that your symptoms worsen in the spring or autumn, but you have like that dull sort of allergic reaction and symptoms throughout the year. But it just, it feels worse throughout spring or autumn. And hay fever is one of those things where it usually begins in the younger age, but it can also like occur in any stage of your life. 
and then it can come and go. So it might be present in one stage of your life and then go away and then reappear or never come back. So it can be quite sporadic. And this is because sometimes it is lifestyle induced. It could be where you're living. Some people, they actually struggle. I had actually a few clients who they used to live in more the tropics and they moved to Melbourne and then they got hay fever for the first time ever. And every time that they go home or back to either like Northern Queensland or some of them were from the Philippines or Indonesia and they wouldn't get their symptoms there. So it can be that difference in the air humidity, but also the difference in the plants that actually grow where you're living. So I know a lot of people do struggle in Melbourne with hay fever, but when they go overseas or traveling, like it all goes away. So it can be dependent on where you're living and what plants are growing around you. But there's also other things. There's actually a connection between hay fever and gut health because just like when I said when I was struggling through that bout of hay fever, I was actually quite sick and I had ongoing digestive issues. I had all those antibiotics prescribed to me. Then I was taking them ongoingly and I had a lot of stress going on. So all of this contributed to an unhappy and imbalanced digestive system. And the reason I mention this is because your gut is home to around 80% of your immune system. And if your digestive system is imbalanced or not happy, hay fever can often be one of those symptoms that start to manifest. There are many symptoms that can manifest from an unhappy or an imbalanced digestive or GI tract, but hay fever is one of those. So I just wanted to point that out and highlight that for you because some people think that I don't have a gut or digestive issue because I don't have symptoms, but it can manifest in different ways. And that was the case for me. I also had the pleasure of having digestive symptoms as well, which was not fun, but everybody's different in how they respond. So it's really important to consider gut health because your immune system and obviously hay fever is one of those things that is so tightly connected to your immune system because hay fever is actually your immune system reacting, like overreacting to certain pollens and environmental things. So your immune system matters, but more importantly, your gut health matters because of that 80% of your immune system does live within your gut. That's really important to consider. Once I actually fixed my gut and did some gut healing work, my symptoms went away and my overall health started to really improve. A few ways you can start dialing this in is to take a look at what you're actually feeding your gut. So if you're consuming a lot of processed or packaged foods, you're actually setting up the perfect environment for an overgrowth of bacteria. So you're creating an imbalance of bad bacteria. I'm just going to label it bad just for ease of you understanding what I'm trying to say, but it's only bad when it's in balance. So that's not going to help the situation. But also if you're eating foods that you know you're intolerant to or sensitive to like dairy, wheat or soy, your immune system actually might start releasing extra histamine in response to that. So that can actually make your allergy symptoms worse or seem worse than what they are because of that immune response from that sensitivity from that food. So there are a couple of things to be mindful of. And just while we're on the topic of histamine, I want to just quickly chat about histamine intolerance. As 
guys, this can be a contributing factor for some people, not everyone, but some people might have this going on in the background as well. So just to give you a little bit of an overview, hay fever is actually an allergic response to a common airborne substance such as pollen, grass, dander, dust, all of that. And then histamine intolerance, that's due to a buildup of excess histamine in your body. And there's a few factors that can actually contribute to histamine intolerance. Number one is high intake of histamine containing foods, things like aged cheese, alcohol, fermented foods, cacao products, yogurt, tomatoes, spinach, and green tea. So if you're finding that your symptoms get worse or you get a rash or you might get hives, I know a lot of people get hives after drinking alcohol sometimes or aged cheese. And although some of these things are good, like cacao, tomato, spinach, green tea, they're good things for you, but they do have a histamine content. And it's not to say that having a histamine content is bad. We Everything's meant to be in balance. And sometimes your body, when it's sluggish or not clearing things properly, it can build up. So it's not to say that these foods are bad. It's just when your body's a bit imbalanced, it might not be responding as well as it could be. And I know for Mark, when he has cacao or pure dark chocolate, because it is a histamine containing food, he will actually just sneeze. So that's his body, like that's his body's reaction to it. But he doesn't actually suffer with hay fever. So if he was actually having these symptoms all the time and sneezing a lot, having a stuffy nose and all of that, then he might have to consider his intake of histamine foods. But just having cacao once in a while, having a little bit of a sneeze, not that big of a deal. But if he was having pronounced symptoms daily or it was compounding and getting worse, then that would definitely be something I would get him to consider. Uh, another thing is consumption of foods that increase your histamine production. So things like alcohol, citrus fruits, bananas, tomatoes, and again, chocolate. And number three is foods that inhibit your histamine breakdown. So again, things like alcohol, green tea, black tea, and energy drinks. And then there's also medications that can inhibit your histamine breakdown, like antibiotics, certain pain meds, and then there's antidepressants as well that can affect. And lastly, having the wrong types of bacteria in your digestive tract that can actually, so some bacteria actually produce histamine. So if you have an imbalance or an overgrowth of certain strains of bacteria that a histamine produces, that can give you hay fever-like symptoms or those allergy-type symptoms. So it could be something like that, like an imbalance of bacteria. And then there's a few other things like nutritional deficiencies, vitamin B6 and zinc, being deficient in them, they can make you more susceptible to become like histamine intolerant. And then there's some GI conditions that, as I spoke to before, having an imbalance or a disturbed or weak digestive system because your immune system is actually living in your gut. When you have a digestive issue or a disturbed or imbalanced gut ecosystem, then it can result in histamine intolerance. And again, because of the bacterial imbalance too. And then prolonged stress can do it and also liver dysfunction. So a good place to start would really actually just be finding out whether your symptoms are a result of a true allergy like hay fever or it's actually an underlying histamine intolerance. So if you're finding that your symptoms worsen after having high histamine foods like the alcohol, cacao, aged cheese, things like that, like after a wine and cheese night, then it might be a histamine 
mean intolerance. Whereas if it's just seasonal, it goes away, it comes and goes with spring, then it's probably just hay fever, seasonal allergies. So that's really something to consider if you do have what it seems to be like year-round hay fever. It could also be that you're eating those high histamine foods. You might have a bit of histamine intolerance for whatever reason. So it's something to keep in the back of your mind and look into further if that's what's happening for you. Alrighty, so now I want to get on to some strategies. And the first one, I really think this is so, so important. And I don't think enough is highlighted about it because I guess... It's just underappreciated and it is just simple nose breathing. So breathing in and out through your nose. And this is because when you breathe through your nose, it actually humidifies and filters the air that you're breathing in. Whereas when you're breathing through your mouth, you're, there's no filter there. So having a pollen overload or a response to pollen is more likely because the little teeny nose hairs that you have in your nose actually help to prevent unwanted particles like the dust, the pollen and pathogens, even like viruses and bacteria from entering your body. So it goes beyond hay fever. It's actually, we were designed to breathe through our nose. So that's the first and most basic thing. And I know some people's noses just feel constantly blocked up, though the more you mouth breathe, the more your nose will get blocked up. So it's actually one of those things where you really just got to make that switch and unblock your nose. There's a few practices that you can do just by simply blocking your nose and holding your breath. That can help unblock it. There's a whole routine. It's very hard for me to explain it over like with no visual, but there are things that you can do to unblock your nose naturally and really just practicing as much as you can just to breathe through your nose. So I really encourage you to just become conscious of how you're breathing, especially when you're stressed or working or even when you're sleeping, a lot of people start to mouth breathe. And also if you are finding that your nose is really stuffed and blocked up during hay fever or allergy season, I recommend just doing a little saline solution or nose rinse. Just saline is just basically salt. So it just really helps just flush out the pollens that are sitting in there or dust and other particles. You might find that just helps to unblock you as well. And then just start breathing through your nose more. I don't usually recommend doing the typical decongestions as they can be quite habit forming and a lot of people use them longer than they should be. They should only ever be used for about three days max, but some people are using them more long-term and that results in a rebound effect. So once you come off that your nose actually gets more blocked up because you're, it's habit forming. So your body relies on it. So that's just like a last resort. I wouldn't go for them straight off the bat. I would try a simple natural saline solution, no spray, and then yeah, reserve that for like, if you really, really need it. So the next thing you consider when it comes to hay fever and all of that is looking at trigger foods because there's many foods that can trigger or make symptoms worse when it comes to hay fever. I'll just list them off. So things like, I, I have mentioned a few of them, but alcohol, caffeine, dairy, especially because dairy is so mucus forming, it can make you very stuffed up and clogged up. So that's something to consider. Chocolate, peanuts, sugar, wheat, citrus, 
a lot of the food preservatives so obviously avoiding highly processed foods because they're going to have a lot of preservatives in there also dried fruits can trigger some people bottled citrus juices and shrimp they're just some trigger foods they may not do it for you so it's really just tuning in and paying attention to are your symptoms getting worse when you're eating these types of foods okay it's not that you have to swear them all off I would just really be mindful when you do consume them and taking note of how your body is responding. Also, if you do happen to have some sort of ragweed allergy, you may find you benefit from avoiding things like melons, bananas, cucumbers, sunflower seeds, echinacea, and chamomile. They can be also trigger foods. And again, some of the foods on this list aren't bad or inherently bad or processed or artificial. It's just more that when your system is sensitive or overrun or run down in some way, you can develop these sort of intolerances or sensitivities to them, or they can trigger you and your body. So it's not to say that you have to avoid these foods forever. It's more once your system becomes balanced again, you may be able to introduce these foods and there's no issue anymore. I just wanted to put that out there because I don't want you to think these are bad and you have to avoid them forever. It's just consider your body's reaction when you do eat them. And once you start to holistically manage your body overall and your lifestyle overall, you will likely find that you can reintroduce these things and have them without no issue. Basically, the goal is just to lighten the load while your body's sensitive. So your overall burden comes down, your immune system is then allowed to function more optimally because it's not being triggered, and then you can go from there. Alrighty, now for the supportive foods, because I know it might have felt a bit overwhelming hearing all the trigger foods or potential trigger foods, but there are plenty of foods that are actually really supportive to your system and help to strengthen your immune system. So things like raw local honey, and that's because it actually contains local pollen that's causing your allergies. So that can actually help your immune system respond to it. So for some people that works, and then you can also look at things like including the hot or spicy foods into your meal plan. So the hot foods, like having hot, like warm soups and things like that, they can actually really help thin out the mucus and decongest you because having cold, damp, mucus-forming foods, that's just going to, or just cold foods in general, it can cause a lot more mucus and make you more stuffed up. So having hot foods, but also spicy foods. So things like horseradish, ginger, things like that. Um, If you're a bit sensitive to things like chili, maybe not. But yeah, horseradish, wasabi really clears you out. Horseradish is actually something that's in a lot of the supplements that help with hay fever. And you might even find in normal wasabi powder, if you get the powdered version, you will find that it's mostly horseradish and then wasabi. So it's just those two ingredients. It's not to say that it's shit, but it's actually good for clearing yourself out and it just really opens up your airways. So it still tastes good like wasabi, but it's got that punch. So that's something that you can consider adding into your routine. Also, bone broth is another one. It's such a powerhouse when it comes to congestion, but also hay fever and colds. It's so soothing to your respiratory system, but also getting rid of excess mucus again, down-regulating your inflammation levels. 
but it also supports your immune system. I, I see bone broth as such a, like a building block to your body. So that could be something that you incorporate, like having more soups or adding it into rice dishes, like cooking your rice in it, things like that. There's many ways you can incorporate bone broth into your lifestyle. So that's something that could be really beneficial. Though, if you do have a histamine intolerance, having a really strong medicinal bone broth can trigger histamine intolerance. So if that's the case for you, you find that you get worse off having like a really strong bone broth, I would just either dilute it or don't cook it as long. When I make my bone broth, I make it I cook it for about 48 hours. So if you do have a histamine intolerance, I would just cook it for about six hours. So it's more of like a stock or just make soups that you're cooking with the bone in. So like a lamb shank soup or a chicken drumstick soup, like just with these plain animal products, but with the bone in. So you, you don't get it all marinated and stuff. You can add your own flavors and stuff to the mix. But yeah, cooking, like slow cooking meat with the bone on, that can be another way you get that bone broth collagen sort of benefit without the high histamine levels. It's not to say that a really strong bone broth is bad. It's just to those sensitive people again. So I just really want to make that clear. Probiotic foods are another one that's really supportive to your immune system. It helps with digestion, your energy levels, and so many things that probiotics are good for. Things like kombucha, sauerkraut, yogurt, they're all filled with beneficial bacteria or probiotics, but they are also high in histamine, these foods. So again, if you're finding that they're making your symptoms worse, just take note and there are other ways around this. You might find once you're just supporting your system holistically overall, you might be able to tolerate these sorts of foods again, or there are specific probiotic supplements that are low in histamine. It's just because some beneficial bacterial strains, and it might be the ones that are in these fermented foods, they actually produce histamine, where there's other ones that don't produce histamine or help to regulate it. So there are, I'll talk about that soon. I just want to chat to the rest of these foods that you can include. So also bromelain, which is actually really concentrated in the middle of pineapple. So a lot of people chuck this out. They will cut up their pineapple, get rid of the core, throw it out in the bin. But that is full of something called bromelain, which is a bromelain no idea how to pronounce it, but that's an enzyme. And that's really, really helpful in reducing your reaction to seasonal allergies. So don't throw that away. <laughs> Keep it the best stuff. So make sure you're eating that if you are eating pineapple. And then there's apple cider vinegar. So that really helps to boost your immune system and break up the mucus, but it can also help support your lymphatic drainage. So you can really just make up an elixir with this. So something like one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, a tablespoon of freshly squeezed lemon juice, and then maybe half a tablespoon or a little bit of raw honey, raw local honey. That can be like a little elixir that you have three times a day or so. And you could even have it in warm, like a lukewarm water. So it's really helping facilitate getting all that mucus out. And then lastly, when it comes to food, plenty of organic veggies and high quality animal proteins. 
when it comes to the veggies, things like cabbage, beets, carrots, and all your dark green or bright yellow or orange veggies have amazing supportive compounds in them to support your body during allergy season. So make sure you're including lots of them. Alrighty, now before I get onto supplements, I just want to talk about traditional antihistamine medications because I know a lot of people use these. I used to work in a pharmacy and I see how quickly all of these types of things fly off the shelf and how heavily people rely on them. So of course, these types of meds, they can be really helpful if you are really just needing to get through the day, but people are relying on these long-term every day some people are taking these and they do have their side effects and it concerns me because some people may not actually be getting down to the root cause because it's important to know that these meds are just managing your symptoms they're not doing anything else but that so they're just blocking the symptoms okay so really understand that and know that managing your symptoms in a more holistic way is going to be much more better in the long term because some people end up stop responding to these meds and they stop working. And there's lots of things that you can do to support yourself through allergy season or if you are having allergies or hay fever type symptoms. So how you breathe matters, what you eat matters and your lifestyle matters. Dialing in those things are going to be really, really helpful. And I want to also introduce some alternatives to your traditional antihistamine drugs. There are other natural remedies that you could try. I don't recommend that you just start pill popping and trying them all at once or self-prescribing them. I would check with your GP, especially if you are already taking meds or have any medical conditions. And I think a lot of people get confused thinking that, oh yeah, it's natural, it's good for you. But having therapeutic doses of anything it can have its side effects and it can interact with things natural medicine still is powerful and it can have its effects so it's important to know that it is right for you and your body so i'm just going to share these for informational purposes only you can go to your healthcare provider and ask them about it and see if it's right for you Alrighty, the first one is quercetin so research there's actually been a bit of research on this and quercetin actually helps to stop the production and release of histamine so so it's more of like a natural antihistamine in that sort of sense. Quercetin is found in fruits and vegetables as well. It is naturally occurring. And then there, as I was saying before, there's the probiotics. So there's a certain strain of beneficial bacteria. It's called Lactobacillus parascasei. <laughs> I think I'm saying that right, but it's LP-33. So that's actually a specific strain of bacteria and that's meant to be helpful for hay fever. It's been studied. I'm pretty sure it's inner health that does the hay fever relief version of that. So I think it's, yeah, inner health, hay fever relief. It's just a probiotic that's on the shelf. You can just, yeah, it's not kept in the fridge and it contains that beneficial bacteria in there. So that can be really helpful for some people. And then also simple things like ginger tea, licorice tea, Ginger is actually a really nice anti-inflammatory, but it can also help clear that congestion and mucus buildup. And then the licorice tea, it doesn't taste like licorice. A lot of people think licorice and it's like the lolly. It's not like that. It's sort of like a Swedish sort of tea. I really love licorice tea. And that's really good to soothe the lungs and the throat. And it's also really nice for the digestive tract. So that's another one. And then the last one I want to talk about is curcumin. So curcumin can be really, really helpful 
if you have itching symptoms like hives or itchy skin, itchy face, but it also, it's been studied and it can also potentially help with the sneezing, the runny nose and congestion as well. So curcumin is actually the active constituent of turmeric. So it's from the turmeric root. A lot of people know turmeric, that yellow powder. Curcumin is the active component of that. I might have to do a whole episode on curcumin because it's a very, um, (laughs) there's a lot of information out there and a lot of the supplements aren't created equal and some of them, it's really hard to measure how much actual curcumin you're getting. But the one that I have used in the past for inflammation, injury, also digestion, things like that is the ethical nutrients curcumin. So that's one that I've used. And then some lifestyle things that you can do. Number one is stay hydrated because if you're dehydrated, you're not going to be able to clear the mucus and it's going to be really hard to like get rid of and expel. So stay hydrated, having at least your eight to 10 glasses of water each day. That's your minimum. And you can also use the saline nose spray to flush away the pollen. That's just going to be, yeah, just a flush to get rid of it. Also breathing through your nose. As I said before, you can shower before bed. That just helps get rid of the pollen and the dust left on your skin and your hair. So sometimes people can get really triggered at night because they're still like, it's all through their hair and things like that. Also washing your clothes and bedding, that can be really helpful and hanging it inside instead of outside, especially on those windy days. Hanging it outside on a windy day can just, it sort of just gets all accumulated back in there. So if you're quite sensitive, drying it inside. Another thing is replacing carpeted areas with floorboarding or tiles or something like that, because carpet just holds everything. I'm not a fan of carpet. My house currently is filled with carpet. It's new carpet, thank goodness, but carpet just holds everything. So if you can switch to floorboards or new carpet, but ideally floorboards or something, especially if you're sensitive to dust and things like that, or you've got pets, everything just gets caught up in there. So it's just going to be more hygienic and a lot less cleaning for you. Decluttering is another thing that can be really, really helpful because all the clutter in your house, that's just going to increase all the dust and allergens that are going to accumulate on all those surfaces. So decluttering, get rid of your old books or things that you've been hanging on to that are just ancient and accumulating dust because it's probably not serving you. And lastly, get rid of mold. And I'm talking like really actually get rid of it. I know so many people who just paint over mold or cover up mold with I don't know, whatever they can. I grew up in a house that was filled with mold. When I remember the bathroom, it was like black mold on the ceiling. Um, Luckily, I wasn't sensitive to it. My little sister had asthma though, and I'm pretty sure I've spoken to her about it. And her asthma was worse in that house. And once we moved out, it wasn't as bad. So um, that can trigger allergy type symptoms. Like mold has so many different symptoms that it can create and even illnesses. So it depends on what type of mold it is, but don't just paint over mold, get a professional in to clear it out and really get rid of it or use specific products. But if it keeps on reoccurring, it might be that the mold spores and it, like it's still alive in there. 
also mold releases spores that can accumulate on surfaces and things like that like books clothes all of that so it could be a mold issue so if you do have visible mold in your house anywhere in your house it could be that that is also triggering you so I hope you found this helpful and if you did please let me know jump into my dms let me know or leave a review let me know what was helpful or what you found helpful but before I jump off I'll just quickly do a little recap of everything for you number one figure out if you have seasonal allergies or perennial allergies number two is have you noticed that your hay fever disappears when you're traveling could it be location or what plants are in your area paying attention next time you do go traveling especially if it's the next state or overseas because it can make a difference Number three is, could you have digestive issues or a compromised gut due to food sensitivities, stress, medication, poor diet, any of that? If you do suspect that, I recommend, I highly, highly recommend paying attention to your gut health and taking a holistic approach to restoring that. I actually have a complete step-by-step digestion reset program that you can check out. I am planning on reopening the doors early next year just because Christmas time, it's a pretty intense program. So I have decided to push it out to next year. But if you are interested in getting on the wait list, please do. And I can send you more details about it through there. I'll put the link to the wait list in the description here. But in the meantime, to get you started, I am planning on releasing my ebook series. So a cookbook, recipe book, and Um, I'm going to sell a bundle of them all or just the plant-based version and I'm also going to chuck in a bonus ebook that's going to include all intuitive cooking just to help you tweak some recipes because I understand that not everyone's taste preferences are the same. So I want to empower you with the tools to actually tweak my recipes so you fall in love with them and you can create them your own. So um, all my recipes are basically a template. You might love them as they are, but I want to empower you with the knowledge of how to actually tweak it and change up the taste profile and things like that. So that will be in the little bonus ebook that I will gift with anyone who purchases the bundle or the plant-based one. And it's also got some just nutritional information in there as well as some other stuff. So I'm excited to get that out. I am working my little butt off to get that finished and finalized. It's just, there's only so much food I can eat in a week and I'm just trialing and testing all my recipes, making sure I'm writing them down properly because I usually cook quite intuitively. So to write down the recipes and make sure they're as I want them to be on paper so they come out right uh that's just taking its time so I am working hard at that but it is so 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 close and I just want to say thank you for your patience because I know a lot of you have been asking for this it is coming I promise and number four have you noticed symptom flare-ups after eating high histamine foods that is something to tune into especially on wine and cheese night Number five, breathe through your nose. Six, avoid food triggers. Seven, eat more supportive foods that are going to help support your body and your immune system. And lastly, number eight, consider introducing more supportive lifestyle habits throughout the allergy season, especially. So if you can, changing over those floorboards, looking out for mold, limiting exposure, water, 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 (laughs) drink your water, all of that that I said before. You might need to listen to this podcast again. I really hope you got something out of this, even if it was just one little nugget. Let me know if you did. I will speak to you next week. I will do an episode with Mark. I think we're going to do something special for you all. So 
I really highly encourage you to tune into next week's episode because yeah, we've got something planned um, for you all. So can't wait to share that. All right. Have an awesome week and I'll chat to you soon. Bye. Thank you so, so much for hanging out with us today. It's our mission to keep freedom of speech and holistic traditional wisdom alive in a time of such wild censorship. So please, if you've gotten anything out of this episode or you would like to support our mission and message in any way, we would love if you left a review on whatever app you're listening from or even take a snap of you listening and share it on your stories and tag us. We would love to see that. We are so, so grateful for your support. All right, we'll chat to you in the next episode. Bye for now.